Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. No one is, 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 is more locked From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filipponi. First and Pod, you know the drill. Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi, thank you for being here. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, spread the word. Every team, every week, every game coming to you after a high-scoring Thursday night football game where the Eagles hold on to beat the Minnesota Vikings. Outcome of the game really never in doubt after uh, Justin Jefferson fumbled out the back of the end zone. But uh, I wouldn't write off Minnesota completely as a NFC wildcard team, despite massive defensive problems, Pony. The NFC is just going to be wide open, I think, for the wildcard spots. So their offense is good. I could see them getting to eight or nine wins still. Okay. Um, did not expect you to go there with this game. I would agree with that. I think eight wins or nine wins is still in the cards for Minnesota. My there's a, there's a, there's a lot we can get to, but I just I just like you know zero and two with a bad week one loss, and you know this loss right here, first zero and two team of the year. But I I I saw enough good from them that I wouldn't write them off. Yeah, my thing with Philadelphia is they're two and zero. And uh, they won both games and covered in one and got backdoor covered in the other. Uh, I went into this season thinking that Jalen Hurts was going to be in a position to win awards and be the MVP of the league. And look, there's still 15 games left. But if I were doing radio in Philadelphia tomorrow on WIP, for example, one of our affiliate stations, I would wonder about what I've seen from them as an offense, like they ran the ball at will in this game. DeAndre Swift had a huge game. He's a Philadelphia kid. Like he's the star of this game. Their offensive line pretty much gave them whatever they wanted in the run game. They could have run the ball every play in this game and won the game by probably even more than the six points that they ultimately won by. But I don't really like what I've seen from Jalen Hurts through two games. And I don't really like some of the things I saw from A.J. Brown with Jalen Hurts in this game. So that would be my takeaway. You're 2-0, but what's going on with the quarterback here for Philadelphia? A second game in a row where I thought he played a pretty mediocre game. 18 of 23 for 193 yards with three touchdowns? It's under. It's under 200 yards. Yeah, but on a yards per attempt basis, it's not bad. So you watched. Him, so you. So you've watched him in the first two games, and you think Jalen Hurts is playing well. I thought that he was fine tonight. So what I grade mean, would you give him? I don't know. A B plus. Okay. I mean, those throws to Devontae Smith down the field were good. The one to AJ Brown in the end zone could have easily been defensive pass interference. That one, the the results look different from the passing yardage. If that goes out, uh, I don't know. I agree with Herb Street. Herb Street basically said he doesn't think Philadelphia's played well yet in their two and zero, and I think that's more reflection on their on their passing game struggles 
and their quarterback than it is anything else. Maybe worse. Maybe Kirk Herbstreit and I are seeing a different team than you are. But Philadelphia has not blown me away. No, the well, that, that, they haven't blown me away either. But to to me, that's been more about their pass defense, man. Like okay. letting Mac Jones, like letting Mac Jones come back on them uh, in the in the opener, and the Vikings were able to do whatever they wanted uh in in the passing game last year it was a complete blowout that game on Monday Night Football where Darius Slay you know ate Justin Jefferson's lunch and they won the game by three scores or four scores uh tonight Jefferson played very well Hawkinson was fantastic it seemed like every gambler in the world had either Hawkinson first touchdown Hawkinson two or more touchdowns or Hawkinson anytime touchdown it was just like known that the Vikings were going to have success passing the football. Madison did absolutely nothing. So like the Vikings were one dimensional and the Eagles still couldn't take it away. So to me, like, yeah, the, the uh, Eagles were able to do whatever they wanted to offensively. So this wasn't a game where Hertz needed to really beat them through the air. And I thought Herb Street was making that point pretty re- repeatedly throughout the broadcast and AJ Brown on the sidelines. I mean, that was a, probably a moment that he wishes wasn't caught by the camera. Uh, and then it was funny after that, he went to him a couple of times uh, you know, twice in the end zone. Neither one ends up being a touchdown. One is caught for a touchdown, called back by holding. One would have been caught in the end zone, but it was not ruled defensive pass interference. Yeah. So, you know, 23 pass attempts. It was the day where Devontae Smith had a massive game. Last week, Dallas Goddard had zero uh, catches and zero yards. You know, so there's there's a lot of mouths to feed there, but they're 2-0. and if I was going to be concerned about something, it would be the pass defense for Philadelphia. Well, Two- I was under the I was under the impression that this year Jalen Hurts was going to be maybe after Patrick Mahomes the best player in the entire NFL. And all I'm saying is that he has not looked like that guy through two games. Like I thought he was going to have to be more of the catalyst and not the guy that just facilitated what was an all-around great team this year. And so through two games, I'm still waiting for that guy. I'm still waiting for a Jalen Hurts game. That's all. He has not had a Jalen Hurts game yet in their first two wins. He's not been the reason for their win in either game so far. That's true. I mean, that's that, that is really isn't debatable. No, no, that 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 is true. I agree. Uh, all right, three quick football things, like just like big picture things that we could take out of this game. One. Do you think the formation that the Eagles run the QB sneak on should be legal? No. I agree. It's a testament to the Eagles' offensive line. It's creative, but I think it's very unesthetically pleasing to the viewer. And I feel like the correction is to just make it an illegal formation. I didn't think you should be able to have the player behind the quarterback under center within say three yards of the quarterback. And I think that solves the issue. They can still run up and push if they want, but I don't think they should be able to be an arm's length away from the guy snapping the football. And it's so successful at such a high rate. And this is more of a viewership point. There is no suspense as to what they are going to run or if it is going to work. So I don't I don't enjoy watching that play, even though it's innovative and successful. And it's a surprise that not every team does it and does it as successfully as Philadelphia does. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously the Eagles' offensive line is great. Um, so, but so that that helps. But yes, I'm with you. It, it should be copycatted more. Uh, the Colts tried last week and were not successful. Um, Touchback out the back of the end zone on the Jefferson fumble. Everyone calls it the worst rule in the NFL. I like that there are rules like the the, the occasional rule that is slanted towards the defense over the offense. But I would correct it to this. I do think it's too ridiculous to give the ball to the other team when they don't actually recover the fumble. What about a reverse touchback? So you go all the way back to your own 20? To your own 20. So if you were, if that happened on your, on first down, it would be second and goal from the 20. So you keep the ball, you're still in field goal range, but very difficult to get a touchdown as opposed to losing possession to the other team. What do you think about that? Uh, I'm fine with the rule the way it is. I mean, I'm, I, I subscribe to what Belichick has said about this for years. He schooled his players and taught his players that like, because of the way it works and because it's so punitive to fumble the ball around the goal line, you can't just reach out all the time to try to fight for the extra half yard or yard because if you do and it fails, you might lose possession. So to me, that's got to be something that's taught and schooled and branded into players. And it's the way it's always been. I don't have a problem. Like it's kind of a, the it's, it's an all or nothing thing. If you're going to try to make a play at the goal line, you should understand that if you do and go for it that strongly, that there's a chance you just lose possession altogether. So I actually don't have a problem. I, I like that there is something that like, it reminds me of like when you're playing cornhole and you can go over 21, like you're the better team, but if you don't do the math right, you can lose. If you don't have the number, like, I like that strategy. Like there's a real strategy aspect and component to that play around the goal line. So yeah, tough break. It's always been that way. I'm fine with it. Last thing, as we try to make football better here on first and pod, the Vikings score late in the game to cut it to six. Everyone knows they're going for the onside kick. Amazon puts up the graphic with what the success rate is with the new onside kick rules, and it's 5%. Yeah, now this is what I want changed. I want the rule yes. where it's 4th and 13 or whatever, and if you convert that play, you keep the ball, and if you don't, the defensive team gets the ball at where you failed or came up short. Yeah, that the rule XFL rule. I think it was 4th and 20 was, yep. the XF, was the XFL rule. I don't think, you know, figure out what the number is. For conversion rates being successful 15% of the time. Yeah, that I do want changed. Agreed. There would be a ton more drama and suspense if the, if Kirk Cousins was able to throw to Justin Jefferson to gain 20 yards to keep the ball and have a chance to win. All right. Let's get to the week two matchups. Jets-Cowboys. If you're the Jets, what are you doing at quarterback? Okay, so I'm going to play Zach Wilson for a couple of games. And I know it's going to fail miserably. The guy absolutely stinks. And we saw the way that the Jets looked at him once he went into that game. And then all the reports about how they were panicking and they felt like their season was over and coaches couldn't fall asleep. And they were calling all kinds of free agent quarterbacks and all of those things. So, yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson is going to fall on his face here and they're going to quickly realize 
that their ceiling is like nine wins with him as their quarterback as it was last year. I've heard about Matt Ryan and all those guys out there. None of Carson Wentz, none of those guys do anything for me. Here's what I would do if I were them that I've not heard this yet. And I think it's in part because of like what Aaron Rodgers situation is for next year. And I know it's complicated with him, but Danny, if you were the jets, what would your interest level be in Kyler Murray? No, it's I. Damn you. I said it on my show this week. Did you? I didn't hear I that. It, I said it on my show this week. But but since I said it on the show, Rodgers has said he's coming back with his, you know, the night is darkest before the dawn. And he just said, like, looking forward to getting back with that Instagram All right, post. he's going to be 40 and Kyler Murray's 26. I mean. Okay, but you don't, you don't have a first round pick to trade. Because it's yeah. conditioned. Like because the you Packers think Arizona have the needs a first round pick, or do you think they? I, I think they just want to get out of that contract. Well, so I mean, listen, if you could trade a second round pick for Kyler Murray, I don't think it would take that much. If you said you take on the entire contract, look at that deal. If the Jets can, took on, I don't, the, can the Jets even do that with the Rodgers contract? Uh, I don't know how the voidable year, I probably should have looked this up before I just ran my mouth here, but the way he restructured his deal for this year uh, would make me think that there, there are some loopholes in there to make something, maybe not. I mean, maybe, I mean, you could always trade him if he wants to come back and play for another team next year. But all I'm saying is if you're the Jets, are you really interested in just throwing away and punting on this season? in the name of like keeping your fingers crossed that a 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers gives you one more year next year to win no. a Super Bowl? Yeah, no. me neither. Um, I don't think that they're going to spend a ton of draft capital to get a quarterback, given that they spent a ton of draft capital to get Aaron Rodgers. So I don't think the Kyler thing's going to happen, and I think it's too expensive, but I, I do think it's a really fun name. And the reason I said it was because the, the Cardinals are clearly motivated to get out from the contract they're also clearly trying to tank. Right. And I think and I think you need a mobile quarterback behind that offensive line. Like that's why the idea of Matt Ryan or Ben Roethlisberger or Tom Brady or any of those guys like didn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense uh to me. I saw Nick Costos say, you know, offer the Vikings a first round pick for Kirk Cousins if you think the Vikings are going nowhere. I don't they don't have that draft pick to offer. I don't think Minnesota's ready to do that yet, but that's at least creative. What about Tannehill? No. No, it's such a modest upgrade, and he he looked so bad in his first game. And I think just... Do you think Tannehill's a modest upgrade from Zach Wilson? And, and no, in terms of like Zach Wilson did Ryan Tannehill, no. But I mean, modest upgrade into how I would view their season outlook if they made that move. Like, Oh, I don't know, man. Tannehill can get on... He can get on... Dude, who... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You think they could go to a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill? I think they are really, really good. No, I, I don't. Tannehill Watch was in it. an A. What was he in an AFC Championship game recently? Uh, divisional round. We've seen him win playoff games. And two years ago, Carson Wentz threw twenty-seven touchdown passes. I mean, w- w- how far do you go with that? I mean, I, I'm I just don't... saying. Like we've seen him be on a team that has been in the AFC playoffs recently. It who who 
realistically that they can afford that's not going to cost a ton, that's an upgrade over Zach Wilson, and I assume you want a veteran with experience because the whole thing's going to be don't turn the ball over, right? They're going to be winning by ball control, time of possession, get the ball to Garrett Wilson, let that defense dominate. They're not going to start playing shootouts with the quarterback that they acquire midseason. So, listen, I think that I, I definitely think they're going to let Zach Wilson play for a few weeks to let him fail. He's earned it. They won the Buffalo game and all of that. But I do expect them at some point to bring in competition. I just think it's going to be relatively underwhelming because I think they're committed to Rodgers for next year. So I think it's going to be a stopgap if they do anything. I don't think they should be committed to Rodgers for next year. That's, I I think that's they my are. bottom line point. Yeah. I think they are. All right, Chiefs and Jaguars. Would you pick the Jags to be the number one seed in the AFC if they win this game on Sunday? I think the answer is yes. I think they become the favorite for it if they win the game. Because obviously it would be two AFC wins. Obviously they're the best team in their division. It would be a very impressive win. And their schedule is crazy easy. And the other teams that we would have said two weeks ago that were in contention for it, Chiefs would be 0-2. The Jets lost Aaron Rodgers. The Bills lost to the Jets. The Bengals already have a loss. So like a lot of the other teams that they would be in competition with would be very far behind them with a tougher path to overtake them. So they'd be the favorite for it if they win this game, yes. I agree. I didn't think you were going to say that. I was like, I was ready to battle you on that one. I agree a hundred percent. Again, you know, I like. I don't think that I would bet them to get it because that just seems like a little too much too soon, but they would be the favorite for it. Like if it was like, you have to pick one team, I guess I would pick them. But if it was Jags versus the field, I'd obviously take the field. I mean, then there's a, I mean, there's so much writing on this game then. In only week two, that you're that you and I already agree that Jacksonville is in a situation where they can get themselves a, a, a buy in what we said before the season was such a loaded conference and completely skip one competitive game and then have home field throughout the playoffs. If they win, they're in the driver's seat to do that. I mean, that is massive to say that only two weeks into the season. I mean, I had an inkling that Jacksonville was going to be in a good spot just because their division was so easy but for for them to already be in a spot where they go up two games on on Kansas City with the tiebreaker which makes it three I agree I mean I think that Miami would be the other team that I would consider just because the Jets situation and I've been out on the bills for so long um yeah I mean this is Jacksonville this reminds me of in 2018 when they played New England after they lost to them in the AFC championship game Jacksonville has lost to Kansas City twice in the last 300 days. It is such a measuring stick game for them to prove to people that they're the Chiefs equal or maybe even better than them. Yeah, I I don't expect them to win. Yeah, either do I actually. You know what I mean? Like that that's the thing. Like it would be incredibly impressive, but I don't expect them to win. And I wouldn't be writing them a ticket to the Super Bowl either. Because, right. yeah, it's been the Arrowhead Invitational for five years in the AFC Championship game, but no one in the world would be surprised if, like, in this scenario that you've painted, if it w- if this rematch was in the AFC Championship game, but, but it was in Jacksonville, 
what percentage of people do you think would be picking the Chiefs to win? You know, the, like no one thinks the Chiefs can't win a road playoff game. We sure. just haven't had to see them win a right. road playoff game. So it's a big game, but I don't want to overstate it and say that Jacksonville has arrived. I want to introduce the next game because this is basically the Danny Parkins Bowl. Yeah. It's the Seahawks and Lions. This is the most anticipated home opener in Ford Field history. Tickets are super expensive. They've sold out this game. There's a massive waiting list now for season tickets. What are now the minimum expectations for the Lions this season? Minimum expectations for Detroit is double-digit wins and winning the division. That's the minimum. Minimum. I expect them to do more. But I think that it's a failure of a year if they don't win at least 10 games and win the NFC North. Okay, I was going to just – so this was the hypothetical I was going to give you. If they have Minnesota season, now maybe it's not 13 wins, but they win the division and then they lose a home playoff game, you think that they would have met expectations this year? I mean – I think they got to win a playoff game is what I'm telling you. I think they got to get right now – I don't think their fans will be happy unless they make it to the divisional round of the playoffs. When was the last time Detroit won a playoff game, Danny? 1991? Yeah, early 90s, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the expectation there now. It should be. It should be. That would be great. Um, It'd be hard for me to say a Detroit Lions team that wins a division and wins double-digit games had a bad season. But I hear, listen, man, I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I think they're going to be really good. And I think they're going to get better as the year goes on. Because I think Gibbs is going to get better and more involved. And they're going to get uh, Williams back. So I think their offense is going to be electric. And by the way, I think they're going to... I love the over in this game. I put them on upset alert. The lines come down, which is very fishy to me. They did not see real wide receivers this week. And now they see Metcalf, definitely Smith and Jigba, and maybe Tyler Lockett, depending on what happens with him. They only scored two legitimate touchdowns last week because the other was off Tony's hands and to Brian Branch for a touchdown. It's interesting that this line has gone in the opposite direction. Oh, we're showing four and a half right now. Extra rest for Detroit and they're at home and Seattle's defense is terrible. I think golf goes for over 300 in this game. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors? But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com All right, Dolphins Patriots. Two is talking big for such a little guy. 
Besides health, what's it going to take for him to get paid like the star AFC quarterbacks, like Herbert and Burrow? Okay, so like the easy answer here is, well, he just has to play the entire season and not get hurt. But I think even in that situation, I don't think Miami would give him. He could put up better numbers than both of those quarterbacks and get MVP votes this year. And I don't think Herbert would, I don't think that Tua would get Herbert or Burrow money. So I'm actually going to take this to a place where maybe you disagree. I think the Dolphins would have to get to the Super Bowl. I think the only way Miami would get emotional about this and like not be pragmatic would be if Miami did something so absurd, like get to Las Vegas, that it was like a reaction that Baltimore had to Joe Flacco winning a Super Bowl and throwing 11 touchdowns and no interceptions and said, oh, fuck it. We'll just give the guy, he bet on himself and won. I think it would take that. And anything short of that, I think they would just franchise tag him after this season. Why? What do you like mean, what, why? If, 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 why would you draft him, have him be awesome, and then not pay him? Because of the concussions? Yes. Okay, but if he goes through an entire season healthy and presumably takes some hits and shows that that was a string of events last year that was fluky, unlucky, that he came back too soon, whatever the, whatever the case may be. Like if he goes through, a, like you you mocked the easy answer, but sometimes the the easy answer is the correct one, dude. If Tua, it, I don't think what happened week one is going to happen every week. But if what ha- if he leads the league in passing and plays 17 games and they win double digit games and make yep. the playoffs, yeah, and they drafted him in front of Herbert, they they're gonna pay him. I don't know about that. I mean, they drafted him in front of Herbert and they tried repeatedly to move on from the guy or give somebody else an opportunity to take that job from him. The owner got in trouble and they lost a first round draft pick because of their questions about him as a quarterback before the concussion stuff even happened. You're telling me that there's that you're telling me that there's not a scenario in which they think to themselves he put up huge numbers, but look at the coach we have and look at his injury history. I think He's there's not a, worth there, that there, kind of money. There, there's a scenario for it, but the, the context here is if he continues to do what he did last week, which was be the best passer in the league. The question is what is it going to take? And it sounds like you think he'd have to lead the league in passing or thereabouts to get that. Yeah, money. I think you're right. I know th- that's right. I think he would have to be undeniably a difference maker and a high-level elite passer and offensive producer while healthy for 17 games. What if he has Kirk Cousins season from a year ago? Does he get Herbert or Burrow money? So Cousins was what, top five or, in the league in passing. Well, if you go by passing touchdowns, yeah. In yards. Sure. Um yeah. I like okay. I, I think that that type of season would get him paid. And by the way, I'd be terrified of giving it to him. Well, that's but why I, I don't think they will, because I think oh. that they trust the coach to not have to pay a quarterback that amount of money. That's my that's why I'm saying it would take something like, well, he's he's eliminated literally all doubt. And he went so far and did so much that we can't even look at the negative here or the other side of things. Yeah, we saw them without Tua in games last year, though, and it didn't look pretty. 
Well, then why didn't they give him an extension before the season started? Because well, the concussion I think because stuff? of the injury question. So if he plays a full season without it and produces, I will be very surprised if he doesn't get paid. And if he doesn't, it's not as ridiculous as the Niners Trey Lance thing because it's going to take a decade or so before we find that. But what the hell are you doing? Draft you, you draft the little guy in front of Herbert and then he produces and outproduces Herbert and then you don't pay him. I mean, yes, you could franchise tag him, but you would be well, but just but listen to what you're saying. If 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 Tua leads the league in passing yards, yeah, okay, would you say at that point that he's a better quarterback than Herbert? No. Right, exactly. But dude, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have paid Kyler. I wouldn't have paid Deshaun. I mean, like, I, I, I but didn't you would pay Lamar. Herbert, but you would. I didn't love the Lamar contract. But the right. like, it's a have or a have not league. They have. They would have one. They would pay him. These teams pay quarterbacks. It's not whether or not I would want him to quarterback my team. It's whether or not the a team would fear having to pay Jacoby Brissett. I think you missed the point of the question. Is he going to get paid like Herbert and Burrow? I don't, he might get paid, but well, I think Tyler got done, paid like that, like them. Lamar got paid like them. Like a lot of guys with questions get paid like them. Correct. Well, yeah, I guess. I just think it's going to take, they don't have his injury history though. I think it's going to take something extreme from him to get that kind of money. Leading the league in passing would be pretty extreme. Well, Jameis Winston led the league in passing a few years ago, so. I don't know if that's like the best barometer. All right. Uh, well, okay. Ask me, ask me your Raiders bills question. Okay. Well, Danny admits something's not right with Josh Allen and the bills. If he has a bad game this week, he's not going to the Raiders defense sucks. Correct. The jets might have the best defense in the NFL. And yeah, but a guy, a Jordan Whitehead had three interceptions in that game. I mean, there's, there's a difference between having the best defense and making a guy melt like a Yankee candle on national TV. Oh, he was bad. He's lost to Zach Wilson now twice in the last year. He, he was bad. They looked bad. I'm, I'm, I'm teetering. I'm on the brink, but I still think when we wake up at the end of the year, Josh Allen's going to end up with 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns because that's what he does. Now, he might have 15 interceptions. That That's possible. But I am not fully ready to write off the Bills as an elite offense until I see them not play maybe the best defense in the NFL. I, I'm going to be – I'd rather be late. I'll, I, I can I'm, – I'm wrong all the time. Ask every bookie I've ever had. But I'm gonna be I'm gonna be late to this party, Pony. He's gonna have Literally. a good game, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I think this is one. And of they're the gonna score bets. thirty or more, right? I think this is one of the easiest bets of the weekend. I think they'll pound yes. the Raiders in this game. Yes. Okay. All right. I don't even want to talk about this game. I do. Good. Bears, Bucks. Your guy, Chase Claypool. There was talk of him being benched, though his wide receiver coach, Tyke Tolbert, today said that that's ridiculous. He's, of course, going to be active. Is the Bears season already off the rails? It feels like it from where I am. I'm it watching, doesn't feel great from where I am, let me tell I'm you. I'm watching these, like, you know, these film junkies, these X's and O's people who have turned this into a cottage industry on social media, and they're stupefied as to just how 
ridiculously bad the offensive philosophy and the offensive play calling is after one week. They're just, they can't believe it. They're they're shocked by it, by how bad it is. That they had all offseason to come up with a strategy with better parts and pieces around Justin Fields, and that's what they came up with against Green Bay. And now with the guy that they gave up the 32nd pick in the draft for is getting reprimanded for his blocking and effort and not really giving a shit. Yeah, it seems like it's pretty bad there. It's real bad. It's real bad. We did a montage of the number of times that Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields said some variation of, I don't know, at their Wednesday press conference in answer to questions like, why were there so many checkdowns? Why didn't DJ Moore get more targets? Why were these guys off the field in this goal line situation? Like, it was... A lot by the way, good job by Bears Media to ask all those questions. That doesn't happen in every market. I give those guys credit for just hammering those. The Bears beat the Bears beat writers are good. They're 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 good. They a good attention to detail. Work well together. Watch film. They do a good job. Um, for the most part, I mean, a few of them hate me, but regardless, it's okay. There's it's supposed uh, to work that way, Danny. Yeah, tr- do you think? You think I got into this game to be popular, buddy? I, I have my like nine friends. Okay. That's that's all I need. Um it's really bad. And the thing with that cottage industry of online film uh film review guys that you were talking about is like one would come out and I'd be like, what the hell's going on with Luke Getze? And then another one would come out and I'd be like, what the hell's going on with Justin Fields? Like it was really bad by both of them because there were plenty of times when there were routes down the field, more than 10 yards, like the stuff that we were talking about on the Sunday pod with DJ Moore open and fields just not letting it rip. Here's where I settled in on this. I think that they were just beating it into him. Check it down, check it down, check it down. There's a check down, there's a check down. And he got gun shy. That's what I think happened. They didn't call any designed runs. They didn't like on the sideline during the game say, hey man, throw the ball down the field. Hey, look, he's open. It was just, don't make the mistake. Don't make the mistake. Check the ball down. Get the ball out quick. That he got gun shy. And now hopefully he overcorrects. For Justin Fields' sake, not for the Bears, not for their season because they got Kansas City in week three. It's a huge game for them. But if he like throws the ball down the field and throws four picks, I would at least feel a little better that he's gripping it and ripping it. Like, he can't play scared. The Jameis Winston, the second Jameis mentioned, where he had 30 touchdowns and 30 picks, he believed that he could make every throw in the universe. Like, obviously that's not what I want for Justin Fields' career, but he went way too far the other way in week one I would almost be fine with an overcorrection in this week. He's got to let the ball fly, man, and just let the chips fall where they may. It's but it's a game they have to win. I mean, Tampa they Bay was looked win. at they as one win. of the five worst teams in the NFL before the season started. So I don't. Bears wanna, are an underdog. I know. I know. All right, Giants Cardinals. Wait, I think you skipped the game here, Danny. You did. Ravens Bengals. Can the Bengals afford to have another stinker? Go. Oh, I'm sorry. I did a screw. Um, can they? They can make the playoffs if they have another stinker, but 
obviously it would look really, really bad. I expect them to bounce back in this game. I expect the this whole to world be one- does. They're a three and a half point favorite. Yeah. Well, I, I, I expect this to be one of the best games of the week. Like classic AFC North. These two, I think the, the Ravens didn't play particularly well against Houston. I think Baltimore plays better in this game. I think Cincy plays better in this game. I think this has the feel of, you know, January football. I'm not saying like low scoring or whatever, but I I feel like this is going to end up being, these two teams are good. These quarterbacks are good. They know each other. I think this is going to be a great football game. I'd be inclined to take the points, frankly. I think there's a ton of pressure on Burrow. I think Burrow has the biggest. I don't think he feels pressure. Well, he should. He should for this reason. The money he got paid and they're playing a team that really has major serious issues in their secondary. The the sec, the uh, safety got hurt, Williams. Yep. Humphrey's not going to play. It's backups there. You've got those great great wide receivers. It's not like the Ravens have an elite pass rush. You're at home. Uh proved to everybody that you really are the second best quarterback in the NFL. Okay, like, I'm not going to want to hear it. They went to Dallas. They lost in week two last year to Cooper Rush. You know, that was really, okay, like an eye-opening thing. What's wrong with this team? And then they battled back and they made it to the AFC Championship game. But I would not make a habit of that. And the difference here is that if you lose this game, you're 0-2 in your own division. And if that happens this year, I'm not as convinced that they're going to be able to rally and have a home playoff game to start things off in January. So um, I, I'm i with you. I expect him to battle back and to respond. But I don't think you can just write this off as, eh, we're the Bengals. We've been there before if they lose this game at home. I'll think something's, especially if their offense, it's not going to look as bad as it did against Cleveland. But if it's still bad, if you know if they score like 13 points or something like that, um. Yeah, I'd have major, major questions about Cincinnati. This is a pound of Jamar Chase over prop as soon as it posts. Yeah, I agree with that too. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast 
Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, you said that you would think you are, would argue that the Giants have the most to lose of any team in week two. Make the case. Because they're playing the team that is supposedly the worst in the NFL. And they're coming off a 40 to nothing loss. Yeah, it's and, a pretty easy case to make. Yeah, and unlike what we just said about the Bengals, the Giants, even though they made the playoffs last year, they don't get that benefit of the doubt from people. So they're facing... You've seen the percentages that they post every year after week two. This is how many teams that started 0-2 make the playoffs each year. This is the situation those teams find themselves in. The odds are stacked against them. If the Giants' losses are at home to a division team and then on the road against one of the worst supposed teams in the NFL, I'll feel like it's over for them. So it's their Waterloo right here. I agree. Um, The Cardinals get put up a lot of fight in week one. I'll be interested to see if they put up fight in week two. Uh, I would think the Giants should win this game, but I don't think either team is good. Like the Giants are going to be a popular team in survivor pools. I wouldn't take them. I wouldn't touch them with a 500 foot pole in this game. Me neither. Me neither. Because I don't think that they're good. I think this is two bad teams and I'm not particularly interested in betting on a team that lost by 40 uh, on the road in week two when there's a bunch of teams out there that are a touchdown or more favorites. So I'm not really interested in them um, in, in survivor. I will say this, and it's not totally related to the giants, but like the idea, the idea conventional wisdom coming into the year was that the AFC was the much better conference and the NFC behind the Niners and Eagles was wide open. Well, Eagles two and O haven't looked that impressive. Expect them to get better. Niners, arguably the most dominant team in week one. If not the Niners, it was the Cowboys. And the Lions won in Kansas City to open the season. Top of the NFC is not looking so bad anymore. It's going to feel like, like, let's say even if the Giants win this game, okay, it's going to feel like the best they can do in the NFC East is third place. And Which that, is what we thought before the year. I know. Well, we did. But I think if you... In New York, Giants fans, the Giants themselves, thinking like, we're going to be one of the two best teams in our division. We don't have to be worse than both the Eagles and the Cowboys. And when you lose to a team by 40 in your own building, uh, and then Philly starts 2-0, and this is supposed to be a layup game for them. This is supposed to be a gimme. And I just don't feel like it's going to be that. The line reflects that it's only four. Arizona gives me strong Falcons vibes from a year ago where everybody thought they were going to maybe be the worst team in football, and they're going to be strangely competitive for a lot of games this year. 
Packers, Falcons. Who's going to have a better 2023? Which team would you rather have stock in? So are you going to answer Atlanta here because you hate the Packers? No. So how would you answer it? Atlanta. Yeah. All right. Well, so like, here's you like Jordan Love more than Desmond Ritter. I do. I do. That's right. But it's not only about quarterback. And I, and I like, uh, LaFleur is an awesome coach. So why would you say Atlanta then? I think for this year, their path is a little bit cleaner to winning a division because I think the Lions are significantly better than the Saints. Okay. So I think that they're, they are, you know, both teams have a division win in week one, obviously, but the Bears and the Panthers, I suppose, they're both just so bad. That like I want to see them play real teams. Packers' schedule is pretty easy to start the year. Like they could easily be three and zero, but I don't think either of these teams is winning an NFC playoff game. Let's put it that way. But I do think the Falcons have a better chance of winning their their division than Green Bay. So that's why I would take Atlanta. But if you were going to power rank the teams, would you have Green Bay ahead of Atlanta? Um, I power ranks the teams today. Actually, just because you were bored and you wanted to just start ranking NFL teams, what was the no? Because our digital guy said it does well for Instagram. (laughs) I had Green Bay higher than Atlanta, yeah. And what gave him that impression that just you have algorithms that suggest just ranking things just huge with the Instagram? Yeah, you consumed sports media, everything is lists. Well, congratulations. Uh, to you guys, to having someone who just is concocting Instagram strategies like that. We have a, yeah, I mean, he does and a good did, job. He, and he, had, he edits our videos. He handles the Twitch stream. He does our social media posts for the station. It's, he does a good job. Does Has he shown that it translates to ratings on air? Or is this strictly an Instagram? I'm just, I'm curious now. Is power rankings good for just Instagram? Or is this something that we should maybe start doing on this podcast? I'm, I'm, I haven't now mentioned my my uh, power ratings once on the air. Okay. It's gotcha. I think it's all just you know r- radio ratings, pony. We're 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 a content company, man. We're not just a radio company. Okay. Um. So my answer is Atlanta. It's 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 but it's an answer that's more based on them than it is what's around them. I know it's just Carolina, and I'm not gonna like completely overreact to that. And before the season started, like most analysts thought that that their way to win was just going to be to run people over and be this power football team. But after watching the way they used Robinson and Algier, I am, I am intrigued. Like I, I didn't, I didn't know if I was going to get to that spot. And all, all I'm going by really is highlights because I would be lying to you if I said I saw a ton of Carolina in Atlanta last weekend. But they got to throw the ball though, man. I I I know they do, but they they they, they I, I told you because I, I watched more of that game than you did because uh, the Bears have the Panthers pick. They have they, an identity though, and I think the coach knows how to play to that strength. LaFleur is a good coach, dude. 
Hell yeah. He's probably one of the, he's, he's, I would say maybe he's, mm, would you say he's a top 10 coach in the league right now? Yes. Would you put him ahead of my, would you put him ahead of my team's coach? I would. Yeah. Okay. But I don't think most people would, but I would. Dude, he lost Nathaniel Hackett. He lost Luke Getze. He lost Aaron Rodgers. And his quarterback making his second ever start on the road had a perfect passer rating on third and fourth down. Yeah. He that's made a it. Good, that's a good endorsement for a guy. No doubt about that. He made it easy for him in week one. Easy. Um, I lost, I pulled up my power rating, so I lost the question. Well, it's so. another coach question, the next one. 49ers, Rams, who's the better coach, Shanahan or McVay? I love this question. My answer is Shanahan. Oh. What's the problem? It's so subjective. Well, it's not you asked the question. I know, but it's but it's one of those things. This goes back to the Herbert discussion we were having before. This is a this this is a feel thing. This is an eye test thing. This is a subjective thing. It's not really rooted in fact whatsoever. One McVay guy is one gets of, conservative in game management situations. I don't like that. Well, it would have been nice for Kyle Shanahan to get conservative in game situations. In 2016 in the Super Bowl. That would have really come in handy for him. Had he done that, Matt Ryan probably would have a Super Bowl ring on his finger right now. Are we talking about being a head coach? No, I no, I just, I had to laugh at that because literally the thing you are praising him for or, or arguing against Shanahan with is something that would have made Kyle Shanahan at least a Super Bowl winner as an assistant coach. Okay, but not all his call. Uh, McVeigh gets conservative in games. He's very, very good, obviously, as a play caller and play designer. He's yes. one of he's one of the best. Um, Shanahan's Shanahan almost won the NFC without a quarterback last year. I don't know if I want to say that anymore. I'm just like maybe I'm. Oh, Purdy looks mo- really good in week one, I was one, just going to say, maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment because I just watched him surgically dissect my team. But I'm starting to think that my opinion on Purdy as a player was wrong. Okay. Maybe. But like, they <laughs> they were in the NFC Championship game. Now, they, that game was not competitive. But doing that with the last pick in the draft – after going to a Super Bowl with Garoppolo, and I, I know McVay did it with Goff, but Goff has been good on another team. That is, we can't say the same for these Kyle Shanahan quarterbacks. Jimmy G has not been good post that. Purdy is great there. Now Trey Lance. Well, apparently- well Garoppolo hasn't had a chance yet. He's only made one start post okay. San Francisco. You think he's going to be good? Well, that that's not what you said though. You said these guys haven't been good. We don't know yet. He's made one start and he's one and zero so far, bro. I mean, you want to bet? I've I've seen Jared Goff be good for a full season. Yeah, agreed, but like one guy has won a Super Bowl, the other guy hasn't. They've been to the same number of Super Bowls. 
And I think most, but for the record, I think most uh, people that we, we could have on this podcast or if we polled uh, football media, I think they would agree with you that Shanahan's, I think people are that scarred by what happened with McVay's Rams last year that they've, they've knocked him down so far in the rankings because of that. But look at what he did in Seattle on Sunday. I think he's going to impress people the entire year. And I think this is going to be another strangely competitive game this week. I don't think the Rams are going to get embarrassed the way my Steelers did last week. Oh, listen, he's a, he's a great coach. Um, There is something to be said for not having the dud, the dud year on your resume though. But Shanahan has dud years. What's his worst year as a head coach? I think four and 12. Four and 12. It's worse than I would have guessed. Um, so do you say McVeigh? By the way, you didn't give an yes, answer. You just I do. I say McVeigh. Yeah, you do. Okay. Commanders Broncos. Oh, you say it's your favorite bet of the week, and I got to guess your side. Yep. Well, I know you don't like the Commanders, so I think you're laying it with Russ. I am. I'm going with your boy Russ, who you said just opened your eyes so b- big and bright after that sixteen that, points last that week, sixteen point performance <laughs> against uh, the Vegas Raiders. Last week, um, I ended up watching back some of that game. Oh, and interesting! I did. Whoa. I think I think if I had only watched the first half, I would have walked away from the game with the same take you did. The highlights from the place he he scored, he threw touchdown passes on, and some of the like, some of the plays in that game, like there might have been eight or nine plays that reminded me of vintage Russ against the Raiders. Now, it's a pathetic defense, and this is going to be a bigger step up in class given what Washington has on their defensive line and the kind of pressure they can get. But uh, this line, like, I give Washington no chance to win the game, basically. I know it's the NFL and things happen, but, like, I'm just not a believer in Sam Howell. I think there's a complete overreaction to what he did in one game last year. Uh, they have, they have good young players on offense, but look at what Denver did for the most part to Vegas, holding them to 17. They've got a lot of playmakers too. I think, I think the Broncos win pretty decisively here. I think it's like a 20 to seven game or something like that. Well, I've been making the case in my little group for uh survivor that we should put one of our plays on Denver as a contrarian play. Because there aren't many other times to play them this year. They were as bad as Denver was last year. They were four and four at home. At home. Yeah. It's a tough place, tough place to play. So are they going to lose two games in a row at home? That I don't think so. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either. So I, I I like your side of the bet. I'm not as convinced as you are that it, I would say it's my favorite bet of the week, but I'm glad to have you as an ally on this. Uh, it emboldens me for my survivor strategy. Man, you got a lot of coach questions this week. Well, I like this one a lot, the next one, Chargers and Titans. Is Brandon Staley coaching for his job yet? Like, what is this guy's situation right now where they, okay, they lose at home to Miami. It's really a, def- like, the reason why I asked this is because it was really a defensive meltdown in that game. 
They could not stop the Dolphins, specifically one guy on Sunday. And he is a defensive coach. And that was fi- and that was on the heels of one of the great playoff uh, collapses in NFL history. Well, I don't believe you're coaching for your job in week two, generally speaking. I do think that Kellen Moore could be an interim head coach if it's humming for the offense and the defense gives up 30 a game. So I'm not going to rule it out beyond the realm of possibility that Brandon Staley could be fired at some point this year. Um, I do think that they're going to go into Tennessee and win. So I'm not particularly, like if he were to be coaching for his job, I wouldn't be particularly concerned about this game. The Titans are well coached. The Titans have a decent defense. Tannehill played maybe the worst game of any player in the NFL in week one. So I'm sure he will be better, but I do not expect them to be able to slow down the chargers uh, in this game. So I'm, I've always been higher on Staley. I felt like he was innovative at the beginning. Yeah. Keyword being their beginning. No, I know. And then he regressed and became cowardly and buckled to the pressure um, or the feedback or whatever. And we saw nothing in week one to suggest that he's gone back to that. I mean, they will be a more disappointing 0-2 than the Chiefs if the Chiefs lose to the Jaguars and both are 0-2 because of who Kansas City played. Dolphins, Titans of... versus Lions, Jaguars. Well, yeah, and then you've got the Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey situation there too. Are you betting you Tennessee? Know? Lines two and a half. Why is it so low? I mean, that just... It's in Tennessee. That freaks me out. I Okay. Is that an... I, that just, to me, it's like they're begging me to bet the Chargers. They're... It's... Could 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 you make... Do you, do you have a good, strong argument for Titans plus two and a half? Would you feel good about that bet if you made it? No. Right. That's why I was trying to take your money. <laughs> That's what I... Like, it just... It feels to me like I would almost I, – I, my inclination would be to bet Tennessee if I had to pick a side here because it feels like it should be Chargers minus five and a half in this game. Like, where does the number have to be to get me to want to, want to bet Tennessee objectively? Would you bet Tennessee at three? No. Would you bet them at three and a half? I still would probably say. No, I think three and a half or four is probably the number, but I listen, I, I don't want to bet Tennessee ever. That's, that's what I bet him last week and won. I did bet him last week. So I shouldn't. Well, that's because Vrabel did everybody a solid. That was a great moment. That That was my favorite gambling moment of week one. (laughs) We should do that as a segment on the show. I'm going to bet Tennessee. I think Tennessee is going to end up winning the game. All right. Well, let's just bet it against each other. Okay, fine. All right. There we go. All right, ask me the last question. Uh, Colts-Texan, which franchise has a brighter future? The Colts. I think Anthony Richardson looked really good. And they didn't give up first-round pick. Like, Anthony Richardson showed a shocking amount of poise. I feel like that... I don't know what happens because I'm not going to pretend like I watched every game at Florida, but 
every draft analyst told me that he was a project, that he was developmental, that it was going to take forever, that there was going to be – and I'm not saying that there won't be lumps and there won't be bad moments and he won't get tricked by some defenses or whatever. But he looked – like I've watched a lot of rookie quarterbacks play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He looked above average in terms of poise, readiness, speed of the game, processing. You know what I mean? Like he – I've seen way worse, way worse. And that was supposed to be the thing that he's not good at. But then the playmaking and the arm strength and the mobility and the athleticism, he's all, you know, 98th percentile type stuff. So I don't know, man. I'm real impressed. And they have their first round pick. So I think this is a pretty easy Colts answer. He I I agree. Houston, it, it's a it, they're they're a tough nut to crack for me because if I were living down there and covering their team and talking about their team, you'd be getting I, two shares. I think I'd want to. I think I'd want to be. I don't know why I said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I'd think. It's a tough radio market. I'm sorry. I think I'd want to be bullish on like the idea of Stroud being a great quarterback. But the way they went about the draft and the the players they have around him, and the fact that they went with the defensive coach, even though he did come from San Francisco and he brought the offensive coordinator from San Francisco as their passing game coordinator who worked for pro football focus before that with him. So, like, there's a progressive bent to it. I think I'd really have to talk myself into it working, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd almost, I feel like I'd have to fake it there. Like, just my my gut tells me kind of like you're doing with Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh no no (laughs) something tells me that the the Stroud (laughs) I hate you the Stroud Ryan's marriage like I just would feel much better about the the coach who groomed or helped Jalen Hurts along with that kind of incredible gifted athlete that working more than what Houston has, even though Stroud went ahead of Richardson in the draft. You know, and like for me, it's, I don't even waste a lot of time thinking about one or the other. Like to me, it's a pretty quick snap judgment. I like the Colt situation a lot more than I do the Texans. Yeah, I mean, like obviously- a lot, lot more. Well, I mean, listen, we're judging this on one game. They're in the same division. They both have to go through Jacksonville eventually. Stroud could be better than uh, Richardson, and Will Anderson could be Miles Garrett or Von Miller, and then it would feel ridiculous to say that it's the Colts and that that trade would have been completely worth it if they got their franchise quarterback and their franchise edge rusher for the next decade. So it definitely could be the Colts, but having their first-round pick and first impressions, I'll take Indy. All right, man. Thank you to Spencer Ray. Good stuff, Danny. Yeah, you as well. Tell a friend, subscribe, Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Just watch us. Someone asked, like, hey, does it help more to listen or watch? Or what do you guys need? Like, you need it all, baby. Watch it and listen to it. Dual streams. The Odyssey app and YouTube at the same time. Sync it up. 
double it up. First and pot. Peace. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.